Welcome to Embers and Wind. Are you feeling a calling to serve? What if answering this calling unleashes from deep within you leadership potential? I'm your podcast host, Keith Weedman. Blended three decades experience with knowledge from multiple disciplines to unleash hidden potential in others. In this weekly podcast, my distinguished guests and I will share what fuels us and how we serve. You will feel a gentle wind on the embers of service that glow within you. You will receive kindling for your capabilities and knowledge to build skills. You can utilize this gentle wind to ignite the kindling. You will be guided to do this for people you lead and serve. You can apply what you learn with people you love. Get ready to feel the gentle wind. Welcome to this episode of Embers and Wind. I am excited about the special guest that I have here today. This special guest, the person who drew me into Toastmasters. He's somebody that I've listened to deliver a TEDx talk. He has been the past president of Toastmasters, and he is an entrepreneur, and he's somebody who is really effective at drawing people in, and he has a servant's heart. I know this because I've listened to his message. I've listened to him deliver a speech at Toastmasters about Dr. Martin Luther King's and the peaceful resolution of racial injustice. My friend is African-American Aunt Blair. Today's topic is Aunt Blair, Access Granted. Please join me in welcoming Aunt Blair to this podcast. Good to be here, Keith. Thanks for having me on. Great to have you here. I would love to know about what fuels you. Oh, boy. You know, I'll tell you what, Keith. Throughout my whole life, I've been energized by positivity. And that, and that comes from positive people, positive memories, positive events, positive actions, positive behaviors, positivity in all of its many forms. There's so much that we get turned on to in the world that isn't positive. The media, they put out negative images of many things. That's what gets clicks. That's what sells ads, things like that. And you know, it's funny too, Keith. I, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day and she said, I watched the news for the first time in a long time and I'm depressed. I said, oh, I imagine you probably are. There's, there's not a whole lot of good that gets put into the media. So when I move as much negativity out of my life as I can. And you probably know this too, Keith. You've studied under Tony Robbins and some of those yeah. greats. And they talk about the company that we keep. And they talk about the things that we ingest, that we, we take into our mind and, and, and the self-talk. Those things, they need to be positive because the world tends to lean on the negative side. And when we get into situations or life circumstances happen, the positive mindset, the positive attitude is what keeps us going, according to the uh, positive thinking village elders, so to speak. And that's what I do. I do. I try to keep as positive. I try to stay as positive as I possibly can, not only for myself, 
but also for other people. You know, I see a lot of people walking around, going through their day-to-day life, and you know, they, they, they might have something that they're complaining about. They might have something, some issue that happened with them. Someone that I was talking to yesterday, their phone went haywire for some reason, and you would have thought that the end of the world was happening. <laughs> it's like, it was just a phone. Come on now. Uh-huh. I'm saying all that to say, I keep, what fuels me is positivity. And I believe by me keeping a full store of positive energy, I'm able to utilize that myself and then share that with others who need that same type of energy. I notice you do have a calling to serve others. And that's deep within you. True? Yeah, it's true. It's true. Sometimes Sometimes it can be challenging, but for the most part, yes, that is true. And does your faith connect to that? Well, it does, Keith. Some of the basic things, looking out for our fellow man, you know, being a voice for the voiceless, you know, giving, giving, looking out for the poor and the needy, you know, giving the alms, and all of the things that um, being a person, being a believer, being a person of faith, Nah, it's arguable to say whether it's required or not. I, I would tend to lean more towards required. But just just the idea of being a good human, loving ourselves like we would love other people. You know, those those are important, those are important ideas that are in the Bible, in the faith, in multiple faiths. And it is important. It is important. You know, if I if I were to look at it from a karmic perspective, you know, do unto others. You know, you do good, it comes back to you. All those kinds of things. I've I've seen those in my life, Keith. I witnessed those. I've mm-hmm. been affected by those, and I know those ideas are real. And I understand you. I I know you've done some volunteer work in Detroit. Tell us about that. Uh, there's not not a whole lot of volunteer work in Detroit. It just so happens that I was during the pandemic. I was in Detroit, and there wasn't a whole lot of good that could be done in Detroit <laughs> when people are locked down. <laughs> Other than just keeping okay, talking about positive energy, keeping people's spirits up during that time, and being in Detroit in coronavirus epicenter, that was quite the experience. And there was a lot of people in that area who needed some positivity during that time and still do. I know you you talked, shared with me that you spoke with some youth in the Detroit area and that they were not violent like there were in other cities. Oh, you're talking about during the George Floyd protest. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Well, that was, that was part of the thing too. So you're, you kind of get out of the pandemic and then you roll right into protest. That was, that was, that was quite the first half of 2020. That's for sure. Yeah. There were some kids there, Keith, who drove to, they had protests in Detroit that following weekend uh-huh. There were some kids who drove up all the way from Ohio. I can't tell you where the city was. Three, I want to say almost four hours away, they drove. And I bumped into them. You know, there were people everywhere. I mean, thousands of people, Keith, uh-huh. thousands of people. And these three youth, they, I, I bumped into them, started talking to them. I asked them where they were from. They told me 
what was eye-opening for me, these kids, they were 20, I want to say 22, 23, 24, 25, uh-huh. in that age range. And they said, you know, we're, we weren't doing anything in our city for, for this to do something so that our voice could be heard. Uh-huh. But we came up here and we supported the people in Detroit who was doing something because we wanted to you know, show, show solidarity with them. And then also, we want our voice to be heard. And that was something that was, that was enlightening for me to hear these young people talk about their frustrations and talking about how they feel that they can make a change. I wouldn't necessarily say that I impacted them. Maybe I did, maybe I didn't. And maybe the way that I impacted them was by listening to them uh-huh. and giving them a, an opportunity to share to someone that they didn't know and might carry on their message somewhere else. I remember listening to you deliver a speech at Toastmaster after studying the work of Dr. King and Gandhi. Sure about mm-hmm. that. I was on tap again, all this during pandemic and people are trying to come up with clever ways to keep people engaged and keep people positive. A friend of mine, his name's Clyde. He wanted to do a, what do they call it? An Oxford style debate. And he reached out to me and said, hey, would you mind being one of the debaters? And I'm I'm Toastmaster. So I said, sure. I really didn't know what it was all about. But I said, sure. I mean, sure. How how hard could it be? I developed that concept, that idea, because he asked me to be one of the people who was on that, who was debating. Does violent protest result in positive change? I took the negative and the other person took the positive. And what I discovered in doing the research for that debate, from what I gathered, it it doesn't. It it doesn't. Violent protest doesn't. And I believe that in my heart before I even did the research. As I did the research, I discovered, as far as I can tell, I can't see it. I, I can't see that violent protest do anything for do much for positive good and what i did was i went back all the way back to rodney king people forgot about rodney king i'm sure it's been so long ago i want to say that was 92 or 94 if i'm not mistaken it's it's been a while and i and i say to myself i said man you know why are we still having these problems and that incident terrible incident tore up los angeles tore up places in california why are we still going through these things when right. like this take place and the the business that was lost the, the the businesses that the businesses and the business that was lost during that time tens of millions of dollars burning and looting and rioting and everything and what happened with, with Rodney King not not much came from that now take a look at what Martin Luther King did during the civil rights era there was violence, but not on their part. The violence was on the oppressor's part. These people are marching nonviolently, no weapons, nothing, getting beat down, dogs, fire hoses, thrown in jail, the whole thing. I mean, people literally put their lives on the line. They literally put their lives on the line. And what happened? In 10 years' time, 10 years time, the Civil Rights Act gets passed. 
And then a year later, the Voting Rights Act gets passed. Nonviolent direct action. Same thing with the same thing with uh, our South Asian friends in, in India. You know, the British occupying them for, for, for years, years. Nonviolent direct action. We're not, we're, we're, we're not gonna, we're gonna block the salt trucks. We're not going to participate in your reindeer games. To the point where the British said, here, take your country. We're gonna do you dirty one more time before we leave. But we're leaving. Nonviolent direct action. These are people who were going on hunger strikes. They were blocking salt trucks. No, nobody was shooting anything. Nobody was burning anything down. Keep weaving. Uh -huh. Nonviolent direct action. And I'm seeing massive historic change happening with no shots fired from the oppressed people. And I'm saying, why are we doing? Why, why, why do we have it backwards in America? Why are we not doing the same thing? And when I listened to your speech, what occurred to me is this speech would be a great message from a pulpit. Mm -hmm. And that's why I reached out to a couple of people that I know that are pastors. Mm -hmm. And I wonder, would you be open to speaking at additional pulpits if there's somebody that was listening that had a pulpit in mind where you could deliver a message? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's funny you mentioned that, Keith. My mom, shout out to mom. <laughs> My mom, she and she she might get mad at me if I say she might not, but she's a Bible thumper. She's a teetotaler. And uh -huh. I love her. I love her to death. She's been in the church for years and in uh -huh. the choir and singing. And then she got to speaking and things like that. And I'll tell you, one of the best experiences that I've ever had in the idea of church was these look was in a little house church. There was a little house church in Flint, Michigan. Keith Weeman, I promise you, it was called Trinity uh -huh. House of Love. Oh, I like the name. Oh, Keith, it was it was beautiful, and I, it was literally in a house in the neighborhood. Uh huh. It was not it was it, it was not the church that you go to. It, it, it was not the church that you see around town. This was a house. And the upstairs was the office, and the downstairs was the actual, uh, what would you say, the pulpit and the uh, where, where the congregation is sitting. Uh -huh. Well, we helped, we helped them out, my family, my mom, my dad, my son, and I, we helped them out. We had a small church, and it's in the neighborhood. Uh -huh. And there were, there were several needs. There were several needs. And one of the needs was me on a Sunday getting up and giving a message to about 30, 40 people. And these are people who, they, they don't have a whole lot of biblical knowledge, but they have a lot of faith and they're looking for truth. And so I say all that to say that, yeah, absolutely. I would be happy to do any sort of variation of what you heard at Toastmasters in a pulpit, because I think it's a, I think it's a strong message. Churches who have a social justice bend to yes. them mm -hmm. can really embrace and and utilize in the struggle so to speak i love your voice too oh thanks <laughs> you <laughs> you sound good on a pulpit <laughs> i've not heard you speak from a pulpit but i could just picture you doing that <laughs> i appreciate that now if as we move on to tedx i've actually heard your tedx speech thanks for message, listening too and the message is quite different 
tell us about the message in this speech because it ties into your message this evening. Yeah, Keith, that TEDx experience was a growth experience to be sure. TEDx is similar to Toastmasters and completely different from Toastmasters. The speech that I delivered at TEDx, boy, that took quite a few twists and turns to get it to what you saw on what, three, three Saturdays ago, two or three Saturdays ago. Yeah. And the idea that where we are in America right now, I believe where we are in America right now, there's this, there's this tipping point and it's back and forth and back and forth. And it seems like the tipping is, is more dynamic since mm, let's say the fall of last year. But there was this big push and, 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 and a lot of energy behind, hey, black people, they, they need to get theirs. And it's not right that they don't get theirs. And it's, it's not right that they get oppressed and, and all that. And we're like, well, yeah, we've been saying that for, for how long did you? Long? Right? And the other part of that for me was if a person, any person, I was speaking primarily to African-American folks, black folks, people of color. Mm-hmm. But the message is universal. There's never been a better time for us to exercise our rights, to enjoy economic opportunities, to literally free ourselves. The whole idea of America, right? Land of the free, home of the brave. There's never been the there's never been a better time, keep believing, for my people to not rise up and you know overthrow the government or burn America down <laughs> or anything like that, but just take the things that, the just take the rights that are promised to every American citizen. There's no reason to be afraid to do it. It's in the Constitution. It's, it's, it's ours. It's ours. So go get it. That's, that's all I'm saying. Go out there and get what's yours. I'm not telling you to go out there and rob a bank. I'm not telling you to go out there and, you know, jack an old lady crossing the street. I'm not asking you to do anything crazy. I'm, I'm asking people, go and get what has been promised to you as an American citizen. Go out there and get it. There's never been a better time. People are waiting to help you right now. There's money out there. There's people who have guilt and all of the things, I guess, that came from George Floyd that are out there ready to help, it just takes a little bit of ambition. And I mean, I get it. People will say, oh, well, you know, you don't know where I came from. I get it. I I don't know where you came from. I know where I came from. I came from Flint, Michigan. It's not the best place to escape from, but I did it. And it's taking the initiative, gaining the access that needs to be gained in order to gain the rights that are inherent to every American citizen, Black people, African-American, people of color included. Go out there and get it. Your title for this talk is Aunt Blair Access Granted. And the TEDx talk was about access, not excess. That's right. Tell us about the difference between access and excess. Oh, I'm happy to, Keith. (laughs) Access. If I get access, I'll do the rest of the work. I'll do the rest of the work if I get access. It's like you're on your computer. You can't log into your computer unless you have the access code. If you don't have the access code, what happens? Access denied. So if if I don't have access to the things that I need to get the freedoms that 
are available to me, well, that's that's a, that's an issue. That's a that's a problem. So it's getting access. That's the key. Access. Everybody wants to give out their access. Everybody. It's easy for someone who has some wherewithal to write out a check. That's easy. All of the companies during the or well during and after the George Floyd protests. Oh well, this company is throwing ten million at, at at racial justice stuff and Black Lives Matter. They get all this money for this and NAACP. They get all this money for that, and that's great. However, as I said in my talk, in my opinion, well, I won't even say it in my opinion. According to me, that makes us dependent and weak. You know, always taking the handouts. We're more than capable. Every person is more than capable. I'm speaking to my people. We are more than capable of going out there with, if we have the right access to the right things, we can go out there and we can blaze our own trail. We can make our own path and we can find free, we can find freedom, the freedom to enjoy our rights, exercise economic opportunities, enjoy all of what America has to offer. And what people are doing with excess, I think mostly thinking they're doing a good thing by writing a check and certainly money needs to flow for things to happen. But at the same time, it sure does make a person less motivated, depending on who that person is, to be ambitious when well, here's another handout, here's another check, here's another this, here's another that. You know, if I'm just always getting it, well, what's, right. what's, what's the amb what's, what ambition do I need to have a semblance of a life? An e a quote-unquote easy life, not the best life, but certainly an easy life. I'd rather work hard. Give me access. I'll work for my access. I'll work. <laughs> don't, give, don't give me your access. I'll work for my own. And then when I get my own, I will supply that same access and the excess, to be honest, going to the future generations of me to carry on the work, right? I so like give that. me access. Give me access. Don't give me access. When I get my own access, I'll make sure that my people are taken care of. Just like the Bible said, we talked a little bit before, Keith. You know, there are the people who are who, who are literally poor because they might have a disability. You know, they might have a physical, mental disability. Something happened in their life to where they're not able to go out and be productive in society. That's a whole other different story. But if an able-bodied person can go out and get a job and work or has a functioning mind to come up with an idea and can connect with the right people and the right resources, how many times have you read stories where people come over to America, they don't even know the language? Right. And they become millionaires. And I'm saying, based on my life journey and what I've observed, I believe that because we're not getting lynched from trees, we're not getting whipped, we're not getting dogs, we don't have the older versions of slave catchers coming after us, there's never been a better time for us to go out and get the things and I keep saying it, Keith, go out and get the things that are promised to every single American citizen, period. You shared some stories in your TEDx talk mm -hmm. about how you got access. Can you share some of those stories with us now, with the listeners? The, the fondest memory that I have is the first story about 
my my creative writing teacher, Martha. I'll never forget that woman, Martha Hamm. She she turned me on to advertising. I'm 24 years old. I don't even know what an ad is. I don't know what an advertisement is. I'm 24. And this woman turns me on to this idea. And then she tells me, she tells me, here's someone telling me, you will be good at that. It's not, again, positivity. She doesn't tell me, oh, well, you, you, you would be terrible at that. Or, you know what, maybe you should just stick to doing this or doing that. Not, not downplaying me or, 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 or giving me any negative self-talk or negative talk. A person who saw the good in me, saw what my skills and capabilities were at the time, and then encouraged me to go after it and go get it. So when she gave me access to this idea, I uh-huh. took that idea and I ran with it. And almost 25 years later, the advertising industry has provided for me and my family. You shared another story about, I think it was maybe the president of the university. Yeah, Dr. Amadon. Yeah, he was, once again, you know, another person who provides access, provided me with access to new avenues, new places where I didn't even know money existed. Who knew a parish had money to spend on stuff and that they hired people to do stuff for them? He uh-huh. turns me, he turns me on to this information. And then from there, you know, I learned that, hey, you know, people will pay me for the skills and the knowledge that I have. Why am I not doing this all the time? <laughs> <laughs> And he turned me on to that idea. But again, he didn't get anything out of it. Put his name on the line. I mean, I could have went, I could have taken that job and made a terrible website. And they could have hated it. I would have still gotten paid. I probably wouldn't have got any other clients. Well, maybe I would have. But his, he's putting his name on the line. So if I didn't come through, then he would have had a blemish on you know, his name. Right. Bible talks about having a good name, you know, things like that. So I come through, I perform, I get rewarded for it financially. I get more business from it. He, he keeps a good name because I come through for him. All of those dynamics were in play in that situation. And again, uh-huh. I didn't, I had no clue, Keith. You know, this, this was a world that I had no knowledge of until uh-huh. I was in those moments. As you look to the future, where do you see yourself in the future? Oh, how far in the future we're talking. <laughs> let's let's move five, 10 years out. Oh boy, five, 10 years out. I will be motivating and inspiring audiences globally, internationally, giving young people access to skill to the skills that they need to become the best that they can be. I can see you doing some of that already. Yeah, it's it's always work to be done, Keith. It's always work <laughs> to be done. There's always something to do. There's always something to do. So tell me about mentoring. Hmm. In what way? What would you like to know? Well, let's start off by how you first started mentoring me and got me into Toastmasters. Oh, geez. I, I don't know that I was mentoring you at that time. I was putting you on to game. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say Toastmasters provides so many great opportunities to mentor. It's, mentoring is a two-way relationship. It's a two-way street. The mentor has to be willing to be a mentor and a mentee needs to be willing to be mentored. People might say, well, duh, 
yeah, duh. <laughs> However, sometimes that's just not the case. You know, right. some people get put together and that doesn't work out very well. Toastmasters has been a blessing for me where I've had the opportunity to mentor people who competed, you know, in, in, in speaking competitions, yes. which that's that's more my bailiwick with the Toastmasters operation because I competed and did speech competitions at Toastmasters. And being able to mentor folks who had similar aspirations to be the world champion of public speaking and see them progress going up that ladder, up that ladder, it's, it's so rewarding. It's, it's so rewarding for the mentee and for me as a mentor to see someone that I've invested time into excel and do well. It's, it's so rewarding. It's, I would say, Keith, I would rather see one of my mentees succeed more than I would want to see myself succeed. Now, obviously, I want to see myself succeed. Watching someone that I've invested time and energy and resources and knowledge into and seeing them succeed, it's, 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 no, it's no experience like it. It really isn't. Again, Toastmasters provides so many of those opportunities. And for you, I was just looking out for you, Keith. I noticed things that I thought could help you elevate your communication, and I shared them, and the rest is history. Yes. <laughs> and just for everyone who's listening to know, for you who's listening to know, Ant gave me feedback. He gave me constructive feedback about my performance in delivering a training for Ant. And he let me know that I used the filler word so many times in my training. I didn't think I used it at all. I then went back to my office and I listened to one of my two-minute videos. And in less than two minutes, I used that filler word so six times in less than two minutes. That was what it took to let me know that I could learn more in Toastmasters. And I have. idea, Keith. It's an example of your benevolent action. I just want people to be their best, Keith. At the end of the day, if you were to wrap me up into a little package or to put me into a box, which that would never happen, but if I had to put myself into a box, I want to see people win. I want to see people succeed. I want people to enjoy life. I mean, we're not here for very long. <laughs> we're just not. And for me telling you, that, and I don't know, that might have been a 15-second exchange, maybe 30-second exchange. So for you to embrace that, get into Toastmasters and get speeches, now you're president of Toastmasters, knowing that I had a part in the development of a better key than that, there's, there's nothing much better than that. And again, if it was me put into a box, I want to see people do their best, be the best that they can be. And if I can help them in any way, if I can help people in any way that's reasonable, I will. And I've noticed over time, there's a lot of people who say that they, they want to be the best that they can be, but they're either not ready for that, they're not being honest with themselves, or some other reason. But there's some, there's some who are really serious about that. And as many, you know, maybe bad apples as comes in the bushel, know the let's say three or four good apples in that bushel makes it all makes makes picking those apples all worth it and there is a good apple right now and you know who you are and you're listening right now to this podcast and you are someone who would resonate that would want to learn more from aunt blair how would they get in touch with you they can get in touch with me at antblair.com a-n-t-b-l-a-i-r.com 
Excellent. And then there's something about a high ground railroad. Yeah, the higher ground railroad. Yeah, that will be that iteration. When you ask me what does life look like five years down the road, that's the iteration of the young people, you know, giving them access to the skills that they need to be leaders, be communicators, to leverage technology, to understand economics and finance, the way money works. That is something that I believe if young people gain access to early on in their lives, it can change their lives. And that's what Higher Ground Railroad has been created to do. And I'm thinking that there could be a church, someone that belongs to a church right now that's listening to this, and you have a social justice committee that wants to do something benevolent for your community. And I know Aunt, you would be open to being a guest speaker for this church. Anytime I have an opportunity to run my mouth, Keith Weedman, <laughs> I'm going to take it. <laughs> run your mouth in service to others, I might Absolutely, add. absolutely, absolutely. I'm not just talking about me or the weather or some nonsense. We're trying yeah. to get some things done in the world. Yeah, and I thank you so much for being a part of this today. Oh, my do, pleasure, Keith. I do hope that this results in you reaching out to Ant to let Ant help you further. Thank you so much, Ant. Oh, thank you, Keith. It's been a pleasure. Always good to see you, my friend. And good to see you, too. Thanks so much. Take care. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode of Embers in Wind. If you enjoyed today, please come back next week. Please also share this episode with a friend. If you've not already subscribed to Embers in Wind, rated this podcast, and written a review, please do this now. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, you can reach me directly at embersandwind.net. Thank you again for joining us.